The next one will be this one. We're almost done. Amen. Uh, so John chapter 4, go to John chapter 4, and uh, we're uh, toward the end of the chapter anyways, John chapter 4, and um, uh, really thankful to be in church. I don't know about you guys, I'm thankful to be here this morning. Uh, be in prayer for, continue to pray for Miss Cindy. Uh, she's uh, really praying she can make it this morning for the 11 o'clock. You guys keep praying for her and the issues that she's going on with her health. And uh, of course, we've got a, a contingency of people down in Florida right now. Uh, pray for their travel back, if you would. John chapter 4, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 44. Uh, verse 43, excuse me. Now, after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor uh, in his own country. Uh, the other way that that stated is a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. All right, saying the same thing, uh, which is essentially this. Uh, those who don't know you will much more readily receive what it is you have to say. Uh, if you try to witness the family, you'll find out real quick, they're the hardest ones to win to the Lord. Uh, and oftentimes, it's because they know you and they just see you as you. Um, and we're going to see that's the same problem they even had with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, look at verse number 45. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again in the canyon of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Now there's kind of a test from the Lord. And what you'll find is you'll find throughout the New Testament, the Lord, especially during his earthly ministry, he'll test people. Uh, you ever been tested by the Lord? Anybody here? All right. He just kind of wants to see where you're at. I, I think it's more for you to see where you're at than anything else. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't think that, that there's a, the old saying is this, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? God's never been like, oh my goodness, I missed that one, right? Or I wasn't ready. I cannot believe what Craig just said, right? I'm just picking on Brother Craig for the dad jokes every Sunday morning. The Lord's not like, whoa, I can't believe that, right? Uh, the, the, the Lord knows what's going to come. Uh, but he does put tests out there for our own benefit. Uh, and, and the Lord says something. Now, I believe this. If you look at verse number uh, 48, um, the Lord is, is not just uh, directing that to man, but I think there's people there that are watching. And uh, you might remember that even Herod himself, not the, the same Herod that tried to kill him during his infancy, uh, but a different Herod at the end of his life. Uh, the Bible says at the crucifixion, at the trial, that Herod and Pilate, who before were enemies, became friends. Let me tell you something right now. If your friendship is built off of a common enemy, it's not a good friendship. All right. So, so Pilate and Herod never were friends before they got together uh, because of Jesus. Uh, and the Bible says that Herod wanted to see a sign from the Lord. In other words, he's like, man, where's the popcorn? Where's the peanuts? Let's, let's see a show. The Lord didn't give him a show. Uh, and uh, the Lord is, is real quick to say, look, I'm, I want to do the, the right work that the Father sent me to do, and I want to prove that I am, in fact, the Christ, the Messiah, and that's why he does the signs that he does. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but, but he never does anything for the sake of a show. All right, uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 49. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. You know what he's saying there? Uh, Lord, I don't want a show. I just need help. I just need help. Uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing on, on the study this morning. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you, first off, we can call you our Father. 
Lord, you know everything about us. You know all the things we've said, all the things we've done. Lord, all the ways that we've misrepresented you. And uh, Lord, at times uh, we, we ourselves have been hypocrites, so we've not lived up to your name. We understand that. We are thankful that you don't cast us out. Thankful that you look at Christ in us and you receive us as your sons. And Lord, I just pray that this morning uh, your spirit would have liberty. God, I pray that you would give us a good time around the word of God. Lord, I do pray if uh, anyone comes today that doesn't know what it means to be saved, that today will be the day of their salvation. And Lord, I, I pray as well for every believer that's here, they would be in, encouraged and strengthened and, and, and further established in their walk with you as a result of looking at the scriptures this morning. We ask your blessing on it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to call your attention back, if you would, to verse number uh, 44. Verse number 44, uh, where the Lord makes a statement, uh, a prophet hath no honor except, uh, in his own country. Uh, look at uh, Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. And we're going to see this idea a, a number of times in the New Testament. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but when you consider uh, Jesus Christ and who he is and what the Bible says about him, in the beginning was the Word, and the, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and all the things that we know about the Lord from the Scriptures. Now, now keep in mind this. Uh, the people that were alive during the ministry of Jesus Christ, they don't have Matthew and Mark and Luke. You understand that, right? They're, they're living through that, all right? Those books don't come till much later. And so all they've got is the Old Testament. And so they're, they're looking at, is this in fact the Messiah? That's why over and over and over the question is, uh, oh, what say ye? Uh, this, uh, the people say this, and some believe that thou art Elias, and some believe that thou art that prophet. Well, whom say ye that I am? And the answer is, thou art the Christ, right? We say, what is that? That's the anointed of God, the Messiah that was prophesied from the Old Testament. So they're living in it and they're examining the life and ministry and example of the Lord going, is this in fact uh, who we've been waiting for? All right. Now, now the Lord, after all the miracles, you would think that would solidify it, but that wasn't enough for people. That's why when people say, if God would show up right now and show himself to me, let me tell you right now, if your heart's not in the right place, God could literally show up as he did 2000 years ago and you still would not believe him <laughs> because it takes an element of faith to believe anything that, that is connected with God. All right. Look at uh, Mark chapter number six, Mark chapter six. And, and notice what happens here in uh, the gospel of Mark and Every time I go to the Gospel of Mark, I always think of the fact that if it wasn't for uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, you wouldn't have the Gospel of Mark in your Bible. Uh, look at Mark chapter 6. Look at verse number 1. And he went out from thence and came to his own country. His own country. Get a hold of that. And his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the what? Isn't this just some guy that was, you know, a skilled trades guy? Isn't this the carpenter? He's not a rabbi. He's not a prophet. As far as we know, he never even went to Bible school. Why should we listen to this guy? Uh, you know what they're doing? They're looking at him through one prism. You say, what is that? The, the prism of this earth through temporal eyes. And all they're seeing is, well, we know him. He, he's no big deal. Uh, the, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. And they were what? Offended. Yeah, they were offended. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Same idea, Luke chapter 4. It, it was almost like, how dare you try to tell us you're someone that you're not? We know who you are. 
Um, and, and, and let me just say this, uh, you're going to find this to be true when you witness your family. You're going to try this to be tr- You're going to find this to be true when your family invites you to a gathering and you go and they say, well, how come you're not drinking? And you say, well, that's just not me anymore. I know who you are. You try to be religious. You try to be some kind of, you think you're better than me. Anybody ever been through that before? All right. I will understand that, 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 that ultimately you're in good company because they did it to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Uh, look at Luke chapter 4, look at verse number 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, all right, going back to his own country. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. All right, and he reads uh, from the book of Isaiah, look down at verse number uh, 22. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceed out of his mouth. And they said, is not this who? All right, let me, let me show you something. Go back to uh, Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Um, you know that uh, there are Bibles that say this. Look at verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled. Is that what your Bible says? It says Joseph. You say, why does Joseph not get the title of his father? Because he's not his father. Uh, his father was in heaven. Uh, and so what you're doing is you are over-humanizing, you are de-glorifying the Lord. You are making Him more like you. The old saying is this, in the beginning God created man in His own image, and ever since then man's been trying to return the favor. In other words, I, I want a God that's like me. I want a God that's, in other words, uh, Jesus, you're not special. You're, you're just like everybody else. Hey, let me tell you right now, if he's not God manifest in the flesh, uh, then close that book and let's go play golf or fish or something else. If he's not who he said he was, there's no reason to be here right now. I, I love it when someone says, well, I don't believe the Bible literally, you know, but, but there's good rules and there's good morals in it. No, it, how can you say that when the guy that's, that, that this, the New Testament is patterned after stood up and said, I am the door, I am the shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and life. If that guy's not really who he said, he's a liar, He's not a good man. That's not a good book. It's only a good book if those claims are true. So, so what happens is that people tend to trivialize, listen carefully, the work of God. They almost become too accustomed to it. When you become overly familiar, and, and let me just tell you, it's one of the challenges, to be honest with you, that pastors have. You know what a pastor wants? He wants to be close enough to his people to help them and feed them and, and nurture and heal them and, and, and restore them and, and, and be a shepherd. And at the same time, if you get too close to look at his nose hairs, you realize, man, he's just a messed up uh, uh, sinner just like me. And you start, you start kind of going, well, I don't need to listen to that guy. And you say, what is that? That's the balance that a pastor has to maintain. You say, how do you keep it? I don't know. Keep praying for me, all right? I need, I need prayers for that because I, I, there's no manual on that. But I, I know this much. I know that the Lord himself got close with his disciples. He was vulnerable with them, so much so that when one tried to betray him, he didn't fight him. Are you listening to me? That guy knew exactly where Judas knew exactly where the disciples were going to meet because they went there often. And Judas goes, hey, guys, I know where to go and find him. You say, what does he do? The Lord just says, okay, I knew this was coming. Now, if the Lord knew it was coming, and he said, well, to fulfill prophecy and, and fulfill the scriptures, all that's very true. I think it's also a great example of this. Just because ministering to people makes you vulnerable doesn't mean you should stop ministering to people. All right. Now, now in regards to, to, to what's going on is the Lord, uh, these people see the Lord as just a man. They don't see him as God manifest in the flesh. Uh, look at uh, John, John chapter uh, number six, John chapter six, 
John chapter 6. This is something that recurs over and over and over in, in the Gospels. John chapter number 6. John 6, look if you would at verse number 41. John 6, verse 41. Uh, we're going to be in this passage uh, in the morning service. And I cannot tell you why. I, I thought about this on the way to church. I have no idea. I, I did not plan this. Normally, if we do a series, I tell the media guys, here's this series. Like Wednesday night, we're doing a series on, on spiritual warfare. And we've had, I don't know, 50,000 subtitles since we started it, right? But we, well, we got that series. I don't know why for the last several weeks in our Sunday morning services, the topics have been centered around discipleship. I can't tell you why that is. All I know is I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord. And in John chapter 6, there's one of those great lessons in there. Look, if you would, at verse number 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus the son of who? Mm. You know, in other words, isn't this just a man? Isn't this, listen, if he is just a man, then, then you've got nothing to celebrate. You've got a reason to be here. All right. Uh, I know it's a very well-known verse to some of you, but for some it's not. Look at First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. It's important to get a hold of this. Uh, there are there are churches, uh, many of them in Denver, uh, that don't believe what I'm about to show you from the Bible. And uh, I don't know. I don't, maybe I look at this. Maybe maybe I'm weird. I, I uh, the way I look at this whole thing is if the Bible's not true and if it's not literal and it's not real. Like, like, this is a colossal waste of our time. Um, and so if, you're, if you've ever been to a church where they don't believe the Bible, it's, it's just, it's kind of dry. It's kind of dry. Like, like you're kind of making it up as you go. Like, why are we actually here? Uh, look at First Timothy chapter 3. Look, if you would, at verse number 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What is the next word? God. By the way, when you see this in the English language and in your Bible... All right, that, that colon mark, when you see that, what you, understand, what you know is this, that what you just heard over here is going to be explained over here. All right, so great is the mystery of godliness. All right, well, what is that mystery? God, what, not he, not a person, not just a man, God was manifest in the flesh. All right, so the, the real debate here in the, in the Gospels is this, is Jesus Christ, in fact, who he said he was? Uh, matter of fact, go to John chapter 20, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and, and there's a couple things here, a couple thoughts. Uh, one is this, uh, know that ministry with family and people that know you very well is always going to be harder. Uh, and secondly, know this, that if you face whatever it is you're facing, understand you're not the first one to go through it. When you go through hardship, don't, don't, don't raise your hand, but uh, I'll just say I myself, you know what I feel like? No one's ever been through it like I'm going through it, right? You just feel that way. That's just the way that it is. And even though you know intellectually, right here, that's not true, down here, this is what you believe. Which is why, when you come to church, it's not just a matter of getting a bunch of facts up here. It's getting it from here, down into here, so it works its way out here. <laughs> All right? Uh, look at, uh, uh, where did I tell you to go? There it is, John chapter 20. Amen. Pastoral ADD. Squirrel, John chapter 20. This is not in my notes. That's why I forgot where it was. John chapter 20. Look, if you would, at verse number 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the what? Christ. 
the Son of God, and the believing you might have life through his name. So when someone gets saved, I always tell them to go to the Gospel of John. It'll further solidify your faith in the person you just put your faith in, right? Uh, but, but the idea is this. The idea is that in regards to the, 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 the litmus test, if you will, during the ministry of Christ, it was this. Is he who he said he was? That's why when he's on the cross, he saved others himself he cannot save. And they said, if thou be the son of God, come down, right? You say, why? It was this test. Are you really who you say you are? Now, I'm thankful he didn't come down at the cross to prove something to them. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, and, and there's a lesson in that. You don't always have to fight and argue with everybody to prove that you're right. But I will say this. In regards to the Lord saying, hey, look, uh, in regards to my, my wanting to minister you, if you're not careful, you'll limit what it is I want to do in your life. Now, now think of it this. Go to Psalm chapter 78. Think of it this way. Um, God is who he is regardless of whether we accept him or not. If a sinner rejects Jesus Christ, it doesn't make God less God. It makes that sinner less like the creator because God's the standard. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, so look at Psalm chapter 78. In your Christian life, you know one of the temptations you're going to fall into? We, we just now, when I asked you a second ago, how many of you ever try to witness a family and they look at you and they go, oh, you're just, I know who you are. You're just, you know, you're my brother. You're my, my I know, I know what you're like, whatever. All right. One of the problems you'll run into as a Christian, the longer you're in church, is you start going, okay, well, this is where we sing a song, this is where we take up the offering, this is where we do this, and if you're not careful, what it becomes just ritual. And the problem with that is you start limiting God's work in your life, and you go, oh yeah, I've heard that before, oh, I've heard a message on that passage, oh, I know about that, and before you know it, you're, you're sitting here, but you're not here. And, and you say, what does that do? It limits God's work in your life. It doesn't limit who God is, it limits God working in you. Look at Psalm chapter 78. Look, if you would, at verse number 41. Psalm chapter 78, verse number 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And what's the next word? They limited the whole... Now, it wasn't so much that God could no longer be God. It was more this. God's not going to work in your life because you're putting up the hand. You're going, Lord, you, that's about close enough. How do I do that? Here's how you do that. By coming to church going, just another message, just another song, just another this, just another prayer, just another offering time. You say, what is that? That's you, basically, that's the equivalent of us in the modern day doing what they did to Jesus Christ when he was on this earth. Uh, look at uh, Acts chapter number 7. Acts, and by the way, you need to understand this, free will is, a, is an amazing thing. I, I think it's such a phenomenal concept that God saves our soul and washes our souls in the blood of Jesus Christ and separates our soul from our flesh and, and predestines us to be conformed to the image of His Son. And yet, and yet, He leaves our free will intact. Uh, look at Acts chapter number 7. Acts, and by the way, you know what the Lord does when someone doesn't want Him to go into their city? Okay, I'll go to another city. You know what the Lord never does? He never argues with them. Why won't you let me in? You ever notice that? The Lord's not, he's not like, he doesn't need their validation. When you live your life arguing with people and, and trying to, why won't you let me, why don't you, just, you should turn that over to God. God, listen carefully, God doesn't control you. So you shouldn't want to control others. All right, look at Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter 7. You say, what's going on here? Well, this is uh, the stoning of Stephen, uh, the first uh, recorded martyr in the Scriptures, in the New Testament church, that is. Uh, Acts chapter 7. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 51. 
Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Talk, this is a spiritual uh, a thing that he's trying to address here, not a physical one. Ye do always resist what? The Holy Ghost. So, and I'm not picking on anybody, but I want to be very clear. Uh, you know, part of the reason you ought to come to church is to learn doctrine. The Bible says the first reason the scriptures are given is for doctrine. Uh, and so I'm not picking on people, but I, I do want to point out, uh, as it relates to Calvin and Calvinism, uh, one, of the, one of the points is this, irresistible grace. Irresistible, I can spell all right, irresistible grace. It'd be, you'd be surprised how hard it is, maybe not for you ladies, but for us guys to talk and write at the same time, all right? Irresistible grace. You say, what does that mean? Well, when the Spirit moves on you, you have no choice at all. You are going to be saved whether you want it or not. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not biblical. All right, if, 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 if these people are told that they are resisting the Holy Ghost and the, the nation of Israel is told that they are limiting the Holy One of Israel, you know what that tells me? Your free will is still intact. God operates in, within the realm of your free will. You see what I mean? It is not that, it's, that God becomes less God, it's that God becomes less in your life. The Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says quench not the Spirit. The Bible says grieve not the Spirit. Why would he tell you to do stuff you can't do? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, does it? So, so the idea that the Holy Spirit's work is irresistible is kind of a crazy concept. Uh, you know what it is? It's not biblical. Uh, and so the idea is this. The reason why the Lord didn't do mighty works in certain places is because the way that they looked at him, he said, okay, if you don't see me for who I am and you don't want me here and I offend you, I'll move on. And let me tell you right now, as a believer, one of the most dangerous things you can do is say, God, I don't appreciate that. Now, thank God, when you get saved, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. All right, but I will say this, the, 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 the leadership of the Spirit of God, the filling of the Spirit of God, uh, that's something that operates within the realm of how much you allow him to lead and how much you allow him to fill you. And if you don't, then God goes, okay, you know, what? you know why? I'm a gentleman. God doesn't go in there and knock over the door. God says, I stand at the door and knock. You know how some of us operate? Bring in the SWAT team. Boom. Knock the door down. Let's go. That, that's not how God works. Uh, God's uh, voice is still and it's small. And you know what he says? You don't want it? Okay. All right. I'll go find someone that does. Uh, and even when you're saved, it doesn't mean that God leaves you, but the, 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 the fact that you, are, you have a part in this is very important. Get a hold of that. People kind of act, as Christians sometimes, it's almost like, I'm just waiting on God. Okay, but if, if you're like me, say, I woke up this morning, and I was waiting on God to show me, should I go to church? He already did. He put it in a book. Right, like I, this, this over spiritualizing of things. Like, look, if you know that something is right, and it's it's in black and white, and the, the spirit of God is showing you that's right, you saying that you're waiting on God doesn't make it not right. That's still right, and you ought to still do it. All right. And so the idea is when the Lord shows up, and he shows up in these cities, some people want him around and some don't. Some cities receive him and some don't. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced if you look at church history, uh, there's very few churches that are around for hundreds of years. You understand that? Churches have life cycles. And I really wish it wasn't that way. I wish you planted a church somewhere and 200, 500 years later, it's still there. It's still going strong. Anybody know any churches like that 500 years down the road? I don't. You know, you know what the story of church history is? God worked in a place and God moved. And then somewhere along the way, you say, what happens? God finds some other people that are still interested in doing that work. You say, why? Because after a while, it becomes, well, it's just always been this way. When it becomes, it's always been this way, God goes, it doesn't have to be. 
When my kids go, oh, I don't want to eat this, you know, you can just not eat it all. Yep. Amen. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I know some of you are like, it's a different age, different time. Let me cut up, you know, there's 30-year-old men, honey, can you take the edges off my bread? You know, like th- this is the generation we're raising, all right? But, but as it relates to the Lord, he goes, look, if you don't want it, I'm not going to force it on you. <laughs> uh, look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Is this making any sense? Yeah. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, let me show you something that the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, look if you would at verse number uh, 17. Verse number 17. You see what happens? Well, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy about how to view elders, and, and he's giving him a pattern of following, but also at some point leading. And what happens is, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's called rabbi, correct? He's called master. So in his day, even though he wasn't one of the Pharisees and the scribes, he was to be viewed as an elder. Well, they didn't give him that honor. Uh, look at First uh, Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders that rule well. Would you say that a man that never sins ruled well? I would. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And you say, what is that? Well, the idea is this. Well, I look at the Lord and I go, he's just Joseph's son. All right. And if you're not careful, even in the church, sometimes you do that. Look, let me tell you right now, you are not in a church that wants pastor worship. I get weirded out when people are overly flattery anyways. It kind of gives me the hippie-jibbies. If you say, nice sermon, I really need that, praise God, I'm with you. If you go, you're the best pastor I ever met, and I'll never leave this church, I'm going, oh, I've got to get away from this person. <laughs> because pretty soon there's going to be a knife stuck in my back, right? So I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just being honest with you. All right, I'm being honest about ministry this morning. Some of you are kind of weird right now. You're kind of like, I don't know how to take you. Here's how to take me at face value. Because what I'm saying are things that I have experienced in the ministry, all right? And, and there's a balance to this. Some churches worship their pastor. You know, they, he's got a security entourage, and you don't get near him, you know. And, and, and uh, you want him to sign your Bible? Fine, we'll schedule that appointment for Monday, October 31st, 2025. Be here at 5 o'clock a.m. or else, right? Like, there's that extreme. Then there's the other one that just says, ah, oh, he's just a man. Well, of course, he's just a man, but if you look at the church the right way, he's the man that God's put in my life to feed me the word of God. I don't want anything that the scripture does not give toward the, the office of a pastor, but the idea is this. When you start, here's the real issue when someone talks that way. It's not, me's not the problem. The problem is you have trivialized the work of God in your life, and when you do that, you limit God working in you. I look at John chapter 1, John chapter 1, John chapter 1. Then we'll go back to John chapter 4 and go to verse 45. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You know what I'm saying? Uh, don't take what you have for granted. Don't take what you have for granted and uh, value it. And when the Lord shows up in your life, don't give him the I'm busy right now, come back later. That doesn't always work real well. Uh, there's a story about, uh, was it, is it Felix? I believe it is in, in the book of Acts. And, and it says that he tells Paul to come back at a more convenient time. And uh, is, is it Felix or is it Festus? I don't know which one it is, but one of those guys says that. And you know what's interesting about that? He tells the preacher, come back in a more convenient time, more convenient season. And you know what, you know what never happens? That. Sometimes the appointments you have with the Lord, they're one shot. You go, oh, well, he's a God of second chance. He is, but I'm telling you this right now. There are some things in my life I didn't get a second chance on. See, you want, to hear, you want to hear this fluffy that everything's the same. No, it's not. Sometimes God tells you to witness one person, you don't do it, and you never see that person again. Is that, is, is that not true? 
Okay, then you know what you ought to do? Take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you when he shows up in your life. Uh, look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And man, there's just so much in here. There's the concept of if you don't want it, then I'll move on. Uh, there's the concept of I'm not going to force you to have something. Uh, listen, there are things that we have to do for our children. For example, we have to brush their teeth. We have to, you know, teach them to you get up and you, you brush your teeth and you, you, you go to the bathroom and you read your Bible. I've heard parents say, I don't want to force my kid to take him to church. You force them to go to school. You force them to brush their teeth. You force them to do all kinds of stuff. Church is, a, look, under the roof, while you're here, when you leave, it will be completely up to you what you do with the Lord. In the meantime, this is it. Now, when they grow into an adult, hear me carefully, and they move out, it's, hey, look, understand everything I gave you the last 18, 19, 20 years was for your good. What you do with it now is up to you. I can't control you like I did before. All right, now, uh, I know this is kind of, this is mixed. I have no idea where everybody's at right now. Let me give you this as well. However, if you're an adult and you want to live in my roof, I don't care if you're 45. If you're living under my roof, you're not going to get home when you want. You're not drinking. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You say, why? It's my house. <laughs> That's just the way it ought to be. Well, I'm 21. Go be free. Go be free and pay all the bills on your own. <laughs> uh, man, I tell you what, ever since my girls have left the house and Bella's more recent, it's like, man, I really had to get at home. I said, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Look, look at John chapter 1. Look at John chapter 1. Look if you would at verse number 10. He was in the world and the world knew him not. The world was made by him the world knew him not. Uh, you know what that... You know what that shows you? Uh, the world knows Jesus, right? In the sense that they know him as, as a historical figure. Uh, there are some people that are, I mean, trying to find a nice enough word. They're crazy enough to believe he never existed. Sorry, guys. That one's a, a real far stretch. Uh, there are secular historians that write about this man. He existed. Uh, the world knows him historically. And this, is a, this is a real, I want to get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. Paul says this after he saved and knows the Lord that I may know him, know him. So what that means is that they didn't know him in an intimate way, in the way that would have led to their salvation, right? And, and so basically because of that, as a Christian, you need to understand there's things that you know because you hear them at church. But you know what eventually is going to happen with some of you? You're going to know them because you live them. And you're going to do one of two things when you get, you know what's really easy to go? My gospel supply all my need until you're looking at a bill you don't know how to pay. You know what's really easy to say? He'll never leave me nor forsake me until everybody else leaves you and forsakes you. Uh, and, and so when you're going through it, you have a choice of doing one of two things. You're going to either go, yep, I really actually do believe this. Or I'm going to go, well, it was nice being here. I went about as far as I can go. You say, what is that? That's what we're going to learn about this morning. Try not to preach it right now. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, look if you would at verse number uh, 11. He came unto his own, and his own what? Now, now, clearly that's talking about Israel as a nation, but the concept, go back to John chapter 4. Go to the next slide if you would, brother. John chapter 4, and, and notice what happens with the Galileans. Look at uh, John 4, verse number 45. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him. They didn't have to. Matter of fact, there's a place, uh, you might remember this, where this, he goes into a village of the Samaritans, and they go, we don't want him here because we know he's going to Jerusalem. And remember what happens? James and John are like, okay, Lord, since they don't want you here, can we burn them up? Can we call down fire from heaven? And the Lord's like, no, that's not what I came for. Remember that? 
All right, so not every city did receive him. Not every group of people did receive him. Uh, the Galileans receive him here. Uh, but, but what about the, the places that don't? What's the right response? Uh, you know what the right response is? I don't, you don't have to go there right now, but the Lord tells him in Matthew chapter 10, he says, take your shoes and shake them off. And shake the dust of your feet off in that city. And again, one more time, you're running into this idea, if someone does not want the truth, and you have tried to give it to them. This doesn't mean that if you're witnessing someone, that you give them one witness and then you're done. I'm not saying that. Have some discernment about that. But there are people in your lives that you're just going like this with all the time. And I want to encourage you, stop. You'll have a lot more peace in your life. You go, you know what? I've said what I could say. I've done what I could do. Lord, they are now in your hands. Uh, because the Lord himself didn't go, but, but you have to receive me. But you need to receive me. But you don't know what's coming. He didn't do that. He just said, okay, all right, well, if you don't receive it, then I'll, I'll move on. I'll find someone that does. Uh, let me tell you this. For every time, and I'm going to say this. I know some of you are going to like me for it, and some of you are going to hate me for it. Uh, but for, for every hour that you spend doing this, oh, I got a good one this time. Mm, that's going to teach him. Oh, they don't have an answer now. It took him 35 seconds to write back. Ha, got him. For every hour that you spend doing that in your life, there's lost people without Jesus Christ who need to be saved. That you could be actually talking to. That there are Christians who could actually use encouragement. There are people like Miss Cindy that could use an encouragement and say, hey, sister, I've been praying for you. I know you can't get out of the house. Can I help you? Rather than wasting your time arguing with people that don't want to hear it. Christian, I just want to encourage you. There, there's a great lesson here in that, in that concept that you read about here with the Lord. Uh, look at uh, John chapter 4, verse number 45. John 4, verse 45. Now, that, why did they receive him? Look what it says here in verse 45, latter part of the verse. Having seen all the things that he, had, that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. All right? So uh, talking about what the Lord did back in John chapter 2, I won't go back there, but he did many miracles that are not even detailed, just that he did miracles. And it said that he cleansed out the temple. So from there, watching the Lord, they understood this, this is the real deal. All right. Uh, so I want to I take a moment, though. Look, if you would, down at verse number, uh, let's see here, uh, 47. 47. When he, uh, this is a, a man that has a, a son that is sick, and this man comes to Jesus. Uh, look at verse 48. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see what? Signs. Signs and wonders ye will not believe. Now, obviously... Uh, the Lord does, uh, if you haven't read the whole passage yet, it's great. The, the son does get healed, spoiler alert, all right? But uh, in regards to this idea of signs, I kind of want to address this for a moment because uh, I know myself, I came from a background where at least one of my parents believed that the signs were for today. How, how many kind of ever heard that before? All the signs that were in the early church are still good today, all right? Um, well, all, all two of you. Anybody else? Nobody else? Okay, all right, all right. Uh, so so um, I want to address that because I want you to see that there was a reason why the, the, the Messiah, the Christ, brought those signs. For some of you, this is review, and I get that. One of the hardest things in a church is this. Understand not every message and every lesson is going to be just for you. There's a whole church full of people, some of which don't know some of these things. It's very important to make sure they get grounded in them. So he says to them, look, uh, you, you're seeking for signs, uh, look what he says about that in Matthew chapter number 12. Uh, Christian, can I say this? At this point in history, you know what you need to confirm what is truth? The word of God, not a sign. Uh, look at Matthew 12. Now, th- there was a place and a time for these things, and I'm going to explain that. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 12. 
Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 32, um, 38, excuse me. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answer, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. It's kind of like I've gotten emails. I, I, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I'm kind of disclosing things about uh, the, the pastorship this morning, but uh, I've gotten emails from people I've never met before. Defend your position on this. And I'm like, uh, what's your name? I'm, I'm serious. Like, I don't owe you a conversation. I don't know who you are. Uh, just a weird stuff like that, you know, just strange. You say, what is that? Same thing they did to the Lord. They, they, Lord, we want to see a sign. All right, guys, got the, pe- the popcorn and the peanuts. Let's go. And the Lord's like, what, what? no, that's not how this works. Listen, the same one that raised people from the dead, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, he could have done whatever he wanted to to impress and wow them, right? He doesn't do it. Uh, look at verse number 39. Verse number 39. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now, listen, if you're seeking after God and you get a sign in the process, that's a different story. But when you're seeking a sign, that's a problem. He calls it an evil and an adulterous generation that seeks after that. You know, I would encourage you to just be careful with your diet from the Bible that you get on YouTube, uh, because every once in a while there's there's you know, right now, September 23rd, uh, someone says, you know, is the Lord going to come back? <laughs> that was a big thing. Uh, this was uh, this last week. Is the Lord coming back September 23rd? You know what my answer was? You'll find out on the 24th. Amen. You'll either be in heaven or down here, won't you? But every once in a while, there gets these flavors of things, and everyone gets all, oh, oh, we've got we to gotta believe this, we've got to go here. And some of the stuff isn't even in the Bible. You have to be real careful about that. An evil and adulterous generation. Let me ask you this. Is the Bible not good enough for you? Why do you have to add to it to make it more exciting? Uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning. I'm sorry, I'm not, I want to preach about it, but the, the place Bethesda, that pool, do you realize for 18, almost 1,800 years, you know what scholars said? We're not sure if that place is real. They discovered it in 1888. Oh, now we believe the Bible. I believed it before that. You should have believed it before. They go, Pastor, were you alive in 1888? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. It explains a lot of things, doesn't it? Uh, no, I'm kidding, right? The, the idea is you should have believed that whether that was discovered or not. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you, you, you don't need signs to prove that God is God. Now, there was a time, again, in, in the early church when the apostolic signs were given, and the Lord initiated that. He's the one that did that. I want to talk about that for a moment. Uh, look at Mark chapter 16. Look at Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. Uh, I want to show you that, that signs had a place in time in the scriptures, all right? But you're not to live your entire life based on signs. Uh, it's, it's a terrible way to live life. You're always trying to guess and trying to put out a fleece and always trying to, you know, read the tea leaves, so to speak. Some things are just better left with, okay, God said it, I believe it. Yeah. All right? Uh, look at Mark chapter 16. Look, if you would, at verse number, uh, oh, verse 15. He said to them, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why does he say every creature? Have you seen what's out there? <laughs> every creature, every creature, right? And you know what we are? We're all creatures, Amen. We're just new creatures in Christ, right? Uh, look at verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Uh, that's pretty plain speech, is it not? Uh, look at verse uh, 17. And these, what? Shall follow them that believe. Well, I believe, so that should be me. Well, hold on, hold on. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth. Who's they? 
the apostles. They, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, all right, and confirming the word with what? All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's my question. Are you an apostle? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know what the, uh, the, the qualifications for an apostle are? You can read about it in Acts chapter 1. You have, now, you say Paul is an exception. Yeah, he's an exception, uh, and that's exactly what he is. He's an exceptional situation, so much so he ends up writing half the New Testament. Uh, but the uh, qualifications for an apostle, you can go back to Acts 1 and read it later, is you had to have been around from the baptism of John, where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and you would have been there from that moment, from the conception of the ministry, all the way through to watch his resurrection. Why? Because the word apostle... You might recognize it from post. You see, what is it? Something that's sent. An apostle is someone... You don't need Greek for that, by the way. You can just read English, post office, right? Uh, An apostle is someone that was sent uh, to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know what the whole idea was? We were eyewitnesses. We saw it. So guess what, guys? That kind of knocks all of us out. I believe it by faith. I wasn't there. Uh, And you can go back and read the other things. All the apostles are Jewish men. That knocks out half of the charismatic movement that's led by women. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying that this is how it is in the scriptures. I didn't write the book. I'm just reiterating what the book says. All right. So as as it relates to apostolic signs, uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And notice what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse number 12, he's giving his credentials, his resume. And notice what he says, truly the signs of an what? Were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. All right. So in other words, these were things that if we're going to be real scripture about, the signs were apostolic signs. The Lord did them to confirm that he was, in fact, the Messiah, the Christ of God. Those that were there that followed him, that received that apostleship, they went out and they preached the gospel. And consider this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Consider that if you read uh, Acts chapter 1 all the way through to about, I don't know, chapter 13 or so, uh, if if you notice something, there's this giant shift. In the beginning of of the book of Acts, what city is central to Acts? Anybody remember? Uh, not, not yet, the beginning. Jerusalem. All right. And then, you're right, Brother Tony, it goes to Antioch. All right. You say, what is that? Why is that significant? This represents the apostles' ministry. All right. They're Jews, and they're called to preach in Jerusalem and to go from Jerusalem, Acts 1, verse 8, into Judea, into Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. And eventually, what God does, because his own nation rejects him, and he gives them chance after chance after chance in the book of Acts. God says, okay, uh, I'm, I've got a, a, a group of people that want what I've got. They received it. His, he came to his own. His own received him not. And uh, you say, what is it? Antioch becomes the epicenter. You say, why is that so important, preacher? Well, the apostles had a ministry, and eventually that ministry was going to end. Uh, look at First uh, uh, Kings chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 22. First Kings 1, verse number 22. For the Jews require a what? A sign. So understand, who are the apostles initially sent to? They're sent to their own. (laughs) They're they're sent to Israel. And Matthew 10 tells them to go there first. Don't don't even go on the way of the Gentiles initially. 
All right. And so they go and they preach and they raise the dead and they cleanse the lepers and they heal the sick and so on and so forth. Uh, over there in the early part of the book of Acts, you know what you've got? Uh, you've got signs being administered, uh, such as Peter walking by and his shadow. People get in the shadow of Peter and they get healed. Uh, you read about the layman over there in Acts and remember the old kid song, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now, if you're raising the world, you're like, I have no idea what's going on. There's these things called we songs for kids. Anybody remember those? Anyways, uh, that's Acts 5. And you say, what is that? Uh, Peter and John are able to give this man healing, and it's supernatural. They, they had the gifts and the signs of the apostles. Why? Because when they did that, can I ask you a question? Where were they when they did that? Let me know what city it was. Want to take a guess? Right here. All right, you, say, you say, what is that? Well, it's kind of connected. It's all kind of connected. These were the, the Jewish apostles sent by a Jewish Messiah to their own people to prove, in fact, this. You guys should have received me. You did not receive me. Now my apostles are here carrying forth my ministry in my stead. They're here doing this, the same thing I was doing. So if you didn't believe me, believe them. And the way he does is through signs and wonders. But look, if you would, at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Eventually, the mystery of the apostles was going to end. First Corinthians chapter 13, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, Sunday school, right? Uh, it's a good thing to take notes, kind of follow along. First Corinthians chapter 13, look if you would have verse number 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall what? Cease. Eventually, some of these things were going to come to an end. All right, you say, what, what, what makes it come to an end? Look at Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, I believe that the, what you're going to read toward the end of 1 Corinthians 13 is not so much about the completion of the Bible as much as it is the fact that someday we're going to see the Lord face to face and all the things that, that uh, made ministry what they were on this earth will be removed because we'll no longer need faith. We're going to see Him face to face. That said, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and I think this is one of the greatest cases in the Bible uh, coupled with the idea that this was the acts, uh, the uh, signs of the apostles, and we're not them, uh, that points to the fact that the reason God did this, going back to Mark 16, you know what he says? Confirming the word with what? With signs. So God did that when they're, when they're, they're preaching to their people in the early part of the book of Acts. And you'll see toward the end that that changes. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number uh, 17. Uh, Verse number 17, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Anybody remember where this is at in the New Testament? Uh, what event is this that, that Peter is recalling? Baptism. Baptism of Jesus, right? So when Jesus is getting baptized, God the Father speaks from heaven, and Peter is recounting, hey guys, I was there to hear this. Uh, look what happens in verse 18. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard... When we were with him in the Holy Mount. Now he's talking about Matthew 17, when they hear that the second time, right? Uh, look at verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as in a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, the day star arise in your hearts. You know what he's telling you? We have something more effective and more valuable. I'm, I'm not adding to God's words. This is what Peter says. We have a more sure word of prophecy. He says we have something that we can put more confidence in than hearing the voice of God from heaven. Now, you can make an argument with Peter when you get to heaven why that is. Maybe Peter's thinking, hey, another voice could speak, and you might think it's the voice of God, and it's not God's voice. 
But when you've got something that's black and white in your hands and you've got to read it and you've got to take it as it is, that's sure. As a matter of fact, look at uh, verse number 20 if you don't believe that he's talking about the Scriptures. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the what? Is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, guys, what you had is you had signs that God, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, exhibited during his earthly ministry to point others to him to, to show that he was, in fact, the Christ. Well, his nation rejected him. His people rejected him. He came into his own, and his own received him not. So then he goes, okay, gentlemen, okay, boys, I want you to go out, and I want you to preach uh, that, uh, uh, that my death, my burial, my resurrection, I want them to know what you saw. Well, in so many words, the Lord goes, and by the way, you're going to have signs that follow. So when they start questioning whether you're one of mine, they'll know right away within that first generation of Christianity, yep, these are the apostles. And you say, what is this? Well, you know, what we call this really, in, in essence, is rightly dividing the word of God. Because if you don't do this, man, you're going to be a mess. You're going to be trying to, you know, uh, basically what a lot of uh, people have done. Some of them are born again believers, and I, uh, I'm thankful I'll spend heaven with them. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to say that they're right doctrinally, okay? Uh, there are born again people that, that uh, say, okay, I've got the gift of healing. All right, and then, then walk by somebody and, and, and they'll get healed. Why do you suppose these big healer guys like Benny Hinn and whatever else don't go to cancer wards? They just have a big meeting and have you come and give your money. And Why do you suppose that is? Look, man, if I had the gift of healing, you know what I'd do? I'd go into hospitals where kids are at, dying of cancer. And I'd, I'd just warn through there. I'd be like, the hills are alive with sound of music. I'd be like, like Julie Andrews running through the, the hospital and just putting my hands over kids and they get healed. Well, if that's, if that's how it worked back then, why, isn't it, why, why didn't that not work now? I'll tell you why. These guys are doing what they're doing because they don't have that gift. They don't. They're imitating something and they're mimicking something to try to bring something back that isn't ours to bring back. All right? Uh, we have the complete word of God. You know what that means? I've got the mind of God. I don't need a sign anymore to prove that God is right. All right? And when you live your life that way, it's a, it's a terrible way to live your life. Go back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we run out of time. I, I hope when it comes to this uh, uh, signs stuff, if you have questions later, let me know. Uh, but I hope this, this kind of gives you a little bit of a breathe. There's a lot more to it than that, trust me. Uh, but uh, just an overview, that's a 30,000-foot view of how to explain that there was value in that. God used that, uh, but it is no longer something that is needed because we've got the Scriptures. Understand this, when they go in the, the, you know, Peter and James and John, and they go out from there and they start preaching to people, there's no New Testament. All they got is the Old Testament. And now they're saying, well, God's done with that. Well, prove it to me. That's, that's, and God even said that's what his nation expected. All right? Think about this. I mean, look, think about this. When God first makes a nation out of 12 tribes, how does he do it? He brings Moses to deliver them. And think about this. Moses goes, well, how are they going to know that, that uh, I'm sent of you? And the Lord says, what you got in your hand? Throw it down. Becomes a serpent. He says, grab it again. He grabs it again, becomes a rod again. You say, what was that? A sign. Then he says, go over there to Pharaoh, and I want you to stand there, and I want you to do all these signs so that my people know who I am. Because I am the I am, right? I am that I am. So, so the idea is this. God had a place for that, but we don't need it anymore because we have the scriptures. And let me tell you something right now, guys. I, I'm thankful that I've got a book I can go to, that I don't have to go and experiment with something to figure out whether or not it's right or wrong. I can just say, God, what do you say about this? All right, look at uh, John chapter 4. 
And by the way, the Bible says in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? So if you want your faith to be increased, don't do it with signs. Do it by getting in the book. Uh, John chapter 4, look if you would at verse number uh, 49. Uh, verse number 49. The nobleman say to him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Now, the, the come down, just so you guys know, there's, there's, there's good preaching in here, and, and you can make a whole sermon out of it, and I'm going to stop right here. Um, why are you guys laughing? I heard some chuckles. <laughs> All right, come down. Just There it is, still going on. Uh, co- All right, so come down. There, there's a couple things here. From a historical standpoint, I want you to understand historically, it was a reference to elevation. Because what you have, you'll, you'll see sometimes someone's up in Capernaum, and the Bible says that they went up to Jerusalem. So they're up north, and in our minds, it looks like they're going down. Like you're going south, but you're actually going up. You say what? Elevation. So throughout your Bible, when you're reading, come down, or they went up, or they went If you pull out a map, sometimes you go, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't look right. What it is, it's a reference to elevation, topography, not just direction. All right? The other thing is this, from a devotional standpoint, let me just say this. Um, the Lord was willing to come down here for you. And he's willing to humble himself. And I am thankful to have a high priest that is not too busy and not too important to come down off his throne to rescue one of his kids when we need it. And, and, and notice this man's faith was so great. Look down, if you would, at verse number 50. Jesus said to him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down... There's the elevation. His servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. That means when he got better. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Isn't that great? Thy son liveth and himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. It's not the second miracle he ever did. Read that carefully. It's the second one that he did when he was coming out of Judea, the southern uh, part, which is below Samaria, and going into the north, uh, back to where he was raised. When he went up to that area, it's the second one that he did. And it was so great that it was recorded in the Gospel of John. You say, what was it? Did the Lord lay hands on someone? Nope. He simply spoke. He spoke, and the person believed, and it was done. You know what's amazing about that? When the Lord shows up, his eternal title is the Word of God. All he does is he speaks. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and without him was nothing made, it was made. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What does God do? And God said, and God said, and God said, and God... You know where the power is at in your life? It's right here. It's in what God said. The question is, it will only be as effectual as you allow it to be based on whether or not you receive it as it is God saying what he said. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer, and uh, we'll uh, get ready for our 11 o'clock service, which is now going to be our 11.10 a.m. service, all right? Our 10 after 11 service. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kick off in uh, t- about uh, 10 after, Brother uh, Eric, just so you know. Let's ask for God's blessing. Uh, Brother James, if you would ask God's blessing, we just heard.